This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good evening, everybody. Can you hear me? Can I go to the gallery view? Because I want to see everybody. Uh, that's good. Wow, I see Joe. Hi, Joe. Are you from Thai? Are, are you dialing in from Thailand? Okay, I, we can't talk now. But um, thank you all so much. Um, I'm seeing many familiar faces and I'm seeing uh, faces I don't see very often. And uh, I'm very, very glad that we're all here tonight together to study the Dharma, to investigate practice together. Uh, so I like to invite you all to get comfortable and uh, relax in a comfortable position and get your tea if you have your tea. Um, so my deep gratitude to my teachers and family and to all of you tonight and to um, anybody who is going to hear, listen to this talk or, or watch this talk later on. Um, it feels so important to have Sangha, to have community now. So I'm very grateful. We've had multiple pandemics recently or in the past few months, only the past few months we've had many things happen in the world and in this country. And there have been immense pain and uh, suffering. So what are the compassionate response when we meet suffering? What are the right actions when we meet sickness and death, violence and killing? What are our actions and responses. What kind of actions and responses can be helpful? These are questions many of us ask these days. And I like to 
put one more question out there. That is, where, where do compassionate responses come from? How do we find compassionate responses? On the second floor of Zen Center, San Francisco Zen Center, there is a statue of Avalokiteshvara. Uh, many of you have seen it. Avalokiteshvara is the embodiment of compassion in Buddhism. And in China, uh, people uh, call, it, call it, uh, Avalokiteshvara Guanyin or Guanxiyin, the one who observes the sound of the world. And so the in English, they often translate it into hearing the cry of the world. Um, the characters literally mean observing the sound of the world. So it's not just hearing, it's observing, it's paying attention, paying attention to the sounds of the world, the cries of the world. And this statue has many arms extending from uh, its body. And uh, well, in, in China, uh, throughout history, Avalokiteshvara or Guan Yin uh, was depicted uh, sometimes as a male figure, sometimes as female figure. And after Tang Dynasty, mostly Guan Yin is seen as a female, has a female body, but, uh, but really uh, it, um, it, it uh, transcends man or woman or, or uh, even human or non-human. Uh, because Avalokiteshvara um, has many faces and many tricks. And so this statue has many uh, arms and in each hand, she holds a instrument and they're all different. They're all different instruments. Each one is used to help in a particular situation. And so I used to hang out in that corner a lot. And I always was very curious about those little instruments in her hands. And uh, now, Now I can see that statue and I wonder, what are those instruments? 
How did they end up in her hands? I'm going to use uh, male and female pronouns uh, interchangeably tonight um, for Guan Yin. So um, in the Suragama Sutra, um, where Guan Yin Pusa, Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, share her practice with the assembly. How she realized what kind of practice led her to realize the true nature. And um, she told the assembly of her practice of hearing or listening. Listening inward, listening to the nature of the self. And that practice uh, led her to awakening. And um, she also shared the fruit of this awakening. So she said she obtained two fruits from this practice. One is to connect with all the Buddhas, to connect to the awakened mind and the loving kindness of all the Buddhas. And the other fruit is that the practice, the realization, allow her to connect with all sentient beings, to connect to the suffering of all sentient beings. So in this moment, what are our practice? What is your practice? How do we connect to the awakened mind and the loving kindness of all Buddhas? And how do we connect to the suffering of all sentient beings? So I think these are questions that we can investigate and we have to find our own ways. Each of us has to investigate in our unique situation to find our way to find out how to connect. Um, I don't have answers. I don't have 
answers, uh, all the answers for myself, and certainly I don't have answers for you. But, um, but I like to offer some encouragement by sharing a poem by my grandmaster, Mai Huasan, uh, the late grandmaster Mai Huasan was the teacher of my calligraphy teacher, Mat Min Cheng, or Chen Moming, Lao Shi. Uh, some of you have met him. Uh, so the poem is called The Bamboo Poem. Uh, before I talk about the poem, I like to say a few words about my teachers, or my teacher in this case, and, um, and bamboo, and the bamboo plant. So you get a little background information. Um, so with um, my other, just like my other Chinese teachers, uh, Master Chen, my, my own teacher, uh, is a very warm and generous hearted man. And uh, so when, when I study with uh, my teachers from China, I oftentimes uh, it's, it's not just studying. There's a lot of other things going on, including uh, storytelling, including food, uh, tea, uh, things like that. And so whenever I go to see Master Chan, uh, he would immediately try to make tea and, and make me eat something. <laughs> and, uh, and then we study. And then after a while, he would say, bring some tea. And then, and then he'll magically pull out something uh, for me to eat. And um, so it's, it's a very Chinese thing to do. Of course, uh, I also don't go empty-handed, right? It's a kind of a, a exchange of warm hearts. And uh, here, uh, if you offer something and you don't want to eat it, you just say, no, thank you. Uh, but uh, with my Chinese friends and teachers, uh, uh, say he offers something, I say, oh, I just ate. I, I don't want to eat anything now. And then he will immediately say, oh, but this is very special. It's from my hometown. And you, I bet you never had this before. And there's only one piece left. So, 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 of course, I'll eat it. And of course, it's like, not only I'm eating this 
uh, rice cake or 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 steam bun or whatever it is uh, it's it's almost like uh, something that carries his love and care and then I swallow it into my body and let let it sink all the way down to my belly and this is how we say I'm happy to see you to each other. And so oftentimes during uh, this time when we are drinking tea and eating rice cake or whatever, he would tell me stories. All my Chinese teachers do that. <laughs> so he would tell stories of his teacher and stories of, uh, how he practiced when he was young. And uh, that's, that's the time I enjoy. Uh, I wouldn't say more than studying, but definitely I enjoy that time as much as studying because I'm learning from this teacher, um, from his whole life. And so during one of these times, he told me about this poem. And uh, his teacher, the great master, grandmaster, Mai Huasan, uh, lived in the last century and passed away in early 80s. And he was a uh, very revered and uh, very accomplished uh, calligraphy artist in Southern China. And during his time, uh, actually, uh, it, it still happens today, I believe, uh, during holidays, like Chinese New Year or Harvest Moon Festival, friends will gather, like uh, artist friends or poet friends or uh, many friends of his would gather during holidays and they would make art and make poetry together and share with, with each other right there write them. And so he, he wrote this poem, this bamboo poem, in one of those occasions. And my teacher said to me, well, this is a great poem to learn, uh, to memorize, because when you get together with your friends, and if you can't make your own poem, you can just recite this one. <laughs> so I thought he, he is very right. <laughs> and so I'm offering this poem from my teacher's teacher because I don't have my own poem. And since then, uh, over the years, this poem has become my favorite poem.
and I tried to translate it uh, many times and I've come up with different versions. And just earlier this week, my friends um, Patrick and Lee helped me to polish it. Um, and so thanks to my friends. So here's the poem, the bamboo poem. Your heart is empty and your joints are strong. Carefully appreciate it and bend, you turn into 10,000 things. You aspire to reach the sky. How can anyone say it's in vain? Your yearning for the Chi River is there forever and ever. For those of you who speak Chinese, uh, this is Yong Zhu Shi. Neng Xu Qi Xing, Neng Jian Qi Jie. Lu Xi Tiao Fen, Qi Cheng Wan Wu. Ling Xiao Zhi Zhi, Fu Qi Tu Ran. Qi Shui Zhi Huai, Shi Zhong Ru Yi. Let me say a few things about bamboo first. Um, so uh, many of you know bamboo tree, or it's actually a plant, grow in many parts of the world. And in China, uh, especially Eastern and Southern and Western China, uh, it's everywhere basically. And uh, they can grow very tall and they are quite big and they can grow like taller than 100 meters, not meter uh, feet. And um, they're hollow inside, uh, separated by these joints or nodes. And they grow in groups, they grow in uh, like groves because they have a, the root grows horizontally. So the bamboo root grows horizontally and the shoots come up and then new bamboo tree come up. And so uh, usually you see lots and lots of them together. And uh, they like to be near rivers and lakes because they need a lot of water and they also need to drain very well. And in Chinese culture, in um, classical painting and literature, uh, bamboo uh, is a symbol of integrity, uh, uprightness, and uh, humbleness um, and it also symbolizes uh, flexibility and resilient resilience uh, the bamboo trees live through winter you know they they don't die down in winter and in fact, in uh, Chinese painting and art, 
oftentimes you see bamboo tree painted uh, with pine trees and plum blossoms and they are called the three friends of winter the three friends of winter because they they are resilient and they don't wither in cold weather And bamboo tree is also a symbol of safety and health. And so in many healing places, you, you see uh, paintings of bamboo. And um, so the first, so the poem has eight lines and uh, each two lines are kind of, they kind of related to each other. And so it's like a four pair. So the first two, two lines, I'll explain uh, the pairs. The first two lines says, your heart is empty and your joints are strong. And so the, it says the, the inside, the inside of bamboo is hollow and the joints are very strong. And Bamboo has the highest, um, what do you call it, strength to weight ratio. And um, it's very strong and it's also very flexible. And so the first two lines talks about that character of bamboo. And the second two, the next two lines carefully appreciated or carefully investigated and bend, you turn into 10,000 things. So bamboo, because it's very flexible, um, you can use it to, to make many, many different things. Uh, you ch in China, you, you use bamboo, we use bamboo to make baskets. In ancient times, it was writing material, and uh, you use it to make musical instruments and furniture. Nowadays, uh, uh, fabric, clothing material, and uh, building material floors, and so so we we're familiar with that. So bamboo can be turned into many different things after uh, careful uh, looking at it, using it, studying carefully and, and um, cut them into the pieces that, um, that are useful and then make into different things. And the Chinese phrase, qu cheng wan wu, bend and turn into 10,000 things. Um, so this character, qu, bending or, uh, uh, yeah, bending or being, uh, bending or being pliable 
or being flexible. That's what the character means. And it's kind of the, one of the most important uh, character that um, people in China appreciate or try to develop. And Xu Cheng Wan Wu, and then you turn into 10,000 things originally came from Yi Jing, the Book of Changes. So because the, uh, you are able to be flexible and pliable in different situations, then you can make different things happen. You aspire to reach the sky. How can anyone say it's in vain? So bamboo trees are very tall and straight and it grows um, upward as if it wants to reach the sky. And of course, uh, Sky is um, never, is, is limitless and you keep growing and growing taller. And even though you can't reach the sky, you keep growing toward it. And how can anyone say your effort is in vain? Your yearning for the Qi River is there forever and ever. Qi River was a, was a river uh, that was a, I think it's, it's still there, uh, off, offshoot. So like it branches out from the Yellow River, which is considered the kind of the mother river of Chinese civilization. And uh, the Qi River uh, also appear uh, frequently in ancient po poetry. And in uh, the earliest uh, collection of poems, uh, the classic of poetry, Shi Jing, there was a poem that talked about a woman, her, her life from when she was young to when, to when she got older, her love story. And when she fell in love with someone who was from the other side of Chi River, and then eventually she married this person and she crossed the Chi River to marry him. And if later on, uh, things uh, got bad, um, turned turn bad. And so she was abandoned. And then she came back to Chi River. And all these times, Chi River was there to witness her life. And to hold her. 
And so this poem from the uh, from the that collection uh, that's from Shijing from uh, the classic of poetry, uh, which was dated around uh, in Zhou Chao Zhou Dynasty around 1000 BC. And so, Grandmaster Mai Huasan borrowed that image in his poem to describe something that we always go back to. That we always long for from beginning to end. And that's the river that can hold our personal stories. That's big enough to hold whatever happens. Happiness and grief. And so your yearning for the Chi River is there forever and ever. And so what makes bamboo tree so useful, so um, versatile, because its heart is empty and its joints are strong and it can bend. So empty, being empty here doesn't mean um, nothing. Being empty here means being okay with not knowing, being humble, being open, being open to all the possibilities. And so with that openness and the strength of its joints and the structure, it knows when after careful appreciation and study, it finds the solution or finds the way to fit into the situation to answer what's needed to make itself uh, flexible enough for what is called for.
to be bent and turned into 10,000 things. So Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of compassion, having realized the true nature of the self and realized that emptiness and phenomena are both expressions of life. That realization turns into selfless actions when he comes in touch when he comes in contact with the world. It's actualized through his skillful means. And in the sutras and in uh, Chinese culture, um, Guan Yin is said to have 32 or 33 manifestations can be, he can become a woman and he can become a man, uh, a old person, a child, a person, uh, a human person, and a non-human person. And this comes from her heart that's open and empty of fixed notions. And so she's able to jump into situations, different situations, and be helpful. So your heart is empty and your joints are strong. Carefully appreciate it and bend, you turn into 10,000 things. You aspire to reach the sky. How can anyone say it's in vain? Your yearning for the Chi River is there forever and ever. I'd like to um, dedicate, if there is any merit for our gathering tonight, I'd like to dedicate it to our practice and effort to find compassionate response, responses to the suffering of the world. 
May we, may we find friends of winter. May we be friends of winter. May we be friends of our season. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered at no cost, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, visit sfcc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.